Well, thank you. I see most of you have been foolish enough to come back here for part three, and I appreciate that folly, because I ended up the uh, the last session saying I would uh, give you something hopeful, because I saw people feeling a little bit depressed. And I can literally do that because World Magazine, for the past 11 years, has given out what we call the Hope Award for Effective Compassion. So we actually have something hopeful in the name. And I've been able to go around the country and see many, many groups, uh, like what's going on here in Joplin, doing good things regardless of uh, not getting a whole lot of media attention, sometimes, in fact, getting hostility from government groups that think, why are these folks doing it when we are the professionals, we can do it? But we have had uh, 95 finalists. We have a Hope Award winner every year, and we were able to um, give some uh, good money to those folks through the kindness of donors. But even beyond the money, they get a lot of publicity. There are people who, these are people who for the most part have been toiling away for 10, 20, sometimes 30 years and never getting a whole lot of regard. And now they do. And as a journalist, there's nothing more pleasurable that I do in journalism than for folks who are, who have been these uh, valiant but unknown soldiers finally getting some attention. And these are people who, when they get the attention, almost invariably try to steer the attention to the volunteers, and then particularly they try to glorify God, and they always thank God for anything they do because it's from His grace that any of us do anything good. I can give you some examples of these Hope Awards, or, I mean, I will do that. If you want to know more, you can just go to... um, uh, www.wng, that stands for World News Group, wng.com, and you'll see a pull-down, you'll see a menu where you can just put in Compassion Award, uh, Hope, Hope Award for Effective Compassion, and you can read about some of these yourselves. And we have stories about them, we have uh, photographs and videos, and some of them we have uh, uh, radio um, accounts that we use. So anyway, there's a way you can actually without having to see them yourself you can actually learn this from looking at the magazine website but I can tell you from experience there was, there was nothing like actually visiting some of these um, and again starting right here in Joplin but if you're in other places I do hope you'll avail yourself of that let me just give you a few examples of some of these people and as you'll see these are not particularly remarkable people who have started these things. In fact, uh, one of my favorite guys is a guy named Buddy Osborne, who is a, uh, um, a stocky, bald, uh, eighth-grade dropout in Philadelphia, um, grew up without a dad, became a, in order, because he wanted to fight back against people who were fighting him, he became a champion amateur boxer. And boxing encouraged what uh, Buddy Osborne uh, calls his propensity for violence. Uh, those of you who are familiar either with the uh, Rocky movies or life in Northeast cities, if you've been an amateur boxer and you have no other training, uh, what do you do? You, uh, you get a job as, I could call it getting a job as a community organizer, but it's a, uh, it's community bully essentially, 
working for loan sharks and uh, breaking legs of people who do not pay back on time. So this was Buddy Osborne. It gave us pretty, he, his job gave him his, gave his propensity for violence free range. Uh, and of course, you know the next step in what happens after you become um, a, uh, a community organizer uh, of that kind. Uh, you eventually go to jail, which he did. He, went to, he spent five years in prison. And he says that's the best thing that ever happened to him because in prison he learned about Christ. Uh, changed his life. And then when he got out, okay, what's next? He really didn't want to go back to being a union, a community organizer anymore because he decided that breaking legs was not really the right way to act. Uh, so he rented, uh, actually purchased a, um, a long abandoned store in this neighborhood of Philadelphia called Kensington, which is, I've, I've been in lots of pretty bad places. This is about the worst. And he decided to use the allure of boxing to let kids know what he had learned about life and faith. Um, you know, it works in Rocky movies. I mean, there have been, what, six of them. And it actually works for Buddy Osborne. He's been doing this now for a bunch of years. I went and saw his, his gym. And uh, he says, and this goes to the heart of bonding when affiliations have been broken, he says that these kids know they go away sometimes, but they come back. They know we're always here. We're a family. So in a way, he's bonded with them. He's become a substitute dad for them. I mean, most of them never had a dad. He says, for these kids, we're their only family. And then they start to realize that there's something in life beyond uh, drug selling, beyond racketeering. It's a life of meaning, and everything changes. And without God, the kids are into immediate thrills. And next week, you know, forget about it. Today, you just live for today, and you try to survive. But with God, they start thinking long-term. And so it makes a difference in everything they do. Uh, they, they start realizing that the education has a value. Even if they don't like it today, it'll be valuable for them tomorrow. And it's going. Um, we sent, uh, I haven't been back there for a few years, but our national editor, as she was covering uh, political primary in Pennsylvania, I asked her to drop in and see what he's doing. And uh, she went and she says, Buddy's still doing great. The gym's operating. It's still the one point of light, in a sense, in the, in the darkness of Kensington. But some of the graduates of that are starting to set up other points of light. And so there's hope in Kensington, Pennsylvania, this neighborhood of Philadelphia, uh, even though when you look at it, you wouldn't see much going on there. But if you go and, and you visit Buddy, there's hope. Um, the, the best concert my wife and I have ever, have ever gone to was last summer, uh, last August, in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, our southeast region... Hope Award winner this year is a fellow named Daniel Kaysen, who, for the for again for 20 years, it's, it's I think it's 21st year, uh, he's been having a, uh, a he has a summer program, a music camp for kids. These are very poor kids, almost all of them African American, in this very poor neighborhood of Birmingham. Uh, he manages to teach them a lot about music, but also a lot about life, and he's able to provide some scholarship money for some of them. They go to college, uh, others. Uh, don't go to college, but they learn some discipline in studying music, and they learn that they can be creators. The, I think one of the things that's important is, is we learn as Christians that our dignity does not come from any particular creative enterprises we're in. You know, our dignity comes, this is something we're endowed by God with this dignity. But beyond that, we're able to, to show that there's a little bit of, of uh, um, God's grace in us and creativity in us and Daniel Kaysen encourages that. Um, he's been doing it for 21 years again. I think probably the article that um, 
uh, that I wrote, uh, that I wrote in World and the the World Radio story that Susan put together is probably just about the only national publicity he's ever gotten. And he doesn't do it for the publicity, but it's, it was he's called me several times. It's a great delight just to say, uh, you know how how much he enjoyed having that coverage. We put him on our on our cover, and it also has been helpful to him in fundraising. So these are useful things. This is something not waiting for government to do things, but uh, media uh, properly channeled can be very helpful, can be as helpful as any government agency and probably more so in bringing attention to a particular group and awakening people in the community about what they can do and thus generating more volunteers, more funding, and so forth. So we've seen this countless times. Uh, I could give you more examples here. Well, another one of my favorite ones because of the way it happened is the Beltline bike shop in Atlanta, Georgia, that uh, here there were a couple of people, uh, uh, the O'Maras, who, a young couple, walking in their neighborhood, and they saw, uh, they saw trash in their, in their poor neighborhood. They also saw that uh, one little girl had a, a bicycle with a busted tire, and they were able to uh, help her. They said, you know, well, we'll, we'll, you do, you do some work. You pick up some trash and we'll fix your bicycle. And then they found out that, um, uh, actually it would only cost them a few dollars more to buy her a new bicycle than to do what was needed to fix up that old bicycle. So when she collected the trash, they presented her with a bicycle. And as you might imagine, she was just thrilled with the whole thing, went back and told all her friends and relations and everyone else who, you know, here, here are these white folks. Who are, who are, I picked up some trash, I worked, and, you know, I have a new bicycle. Wow. Uh, you can bet, you can bet that other kids wanted to get into that. So they're learning something about work. They're learning about how to repair bicycles. They're learning that, in terms of racial reconciliation, that here are these nice white people who help them do things. Um, and soon, you know, they, this has now become a bigger thing, but it just happened. They didn't plan it. It just happened because they were walking in the neighborhood and they saw a little girl. And they found, they thought of a way they could help, and they did so. So these are the types of things that are just wonderful to see in God's providence. And they're happening all over the country. Again, under the radar, um, much as historians did not pay any attention to what these private and church groups were doing in the 18th and 19th century because the assumption was unless government was doing something, it really wasn't happening, so they didn't even bother to look and to go into the stacks of the Library of Congress and see what was there. Same type of thing here. Um, the, uh, unless, unless there's some official recognition, very rarely do these groups get attention, but we're able to do that as journalists. And, uh, you know, we, we now try, we, we, we do our investigations, and unfortunately there's a lot of corruption all over the place, including in some churches. So we do investigative reports, but we also have the pleasure of doing these. And um, they both show uh, that the heavens declare the glory of God and uh, uh, the streets uh, often... Uh, show the sinfulness of man. But there's hope even amidst those situations. So that's a hopeful thing, and there are more hopeful things. Uh, um, you know, lots of, lots of examples that I could give you with, with more time, but I do hope that you go to the World website and just read about them. And what they all exemplify in some ways is that dialogue between um, uh, uh, Mr., you know, of Mr. Phantom, uh, who talked about the magnificent things he was going to do to help millions, but often overlooked what was in his own neighborhood and, help, and helping individuals. The, um, you know, there are, there are two great African-American leaders who unfortunately 
don't get a lot of play in schools anymore. One I'm sure you're familiar with because uh, he was right nearby, George Washington Carver, uh, who, for those of you like me who love who love peanut butter, uh, he is a he is one of the the great. He has given a great gift to mankind as he discovered a hundred different ways to use peanut butter, including peanut butter on bananas, which I highly recommend. But George Washington Carver was right around here. And then, of course, Booker T. Washington down in Tuskegee, Alabama. Uh, we have, we have done, I've done some stories on Booker T. Washington, the history of it, and written about it. So again, if you, if you do go to the World website, I want to put in my commercial here, uh, you'll be able to, if you put Booker T. Washington in the, uh, in the search engine, you can read some of those articles about what he did. But his most famous speech was a speech he gave in 1895 in Atlanta where he talked about uh, a way to achieve progress for African Americans by working hard, building businesses, building farms, and, and so forth, and then other things.